Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show for our first hour. Joining us, Missy Clifton, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Remind me next time to mute your microphone so you don't do backup vocals for us. Um, This song reminds me of my late deceased friend, Bill Hall. Bill had a Jetta with a stereo system and he had this cassette tape. It was Get Your Yaya's Out, uh, the Rolling Stones Live. And uh, I turned it up a little too loud and the, uh, the speaker kind of went, so you fried the speaker in uh, other it, words. it did yeah and uh we were getting ready to go to tortola from vero beach florida his parents had a place down there at a place called john's island and uh we were going to fly out of melbourne to miami to san juan to tortola british virgin islands so something about that tape got messed up. So the only tapes we had were a Doobie Brothers tape and um, Minute Work. But I, I guess I listened to this album, gosh, 35 times. It just, you know, and one of the things that I always liked about the Rolling Stones is that they were always they were never taking themselves overly seriously they they were almost always in the process of sort of spoofing themselves uh the beatles would do it rather clumsily led zeppelin never did it the who never did it but mick jagger always had this sort of sense of fun like he was just kind of above it all. Like he was some aristocrat who was doing this rock and roll thing for fun. You know, it wasn't his whole identity anyway. Uh, and for that reason, I've always, I, I like to go back and listen to their old music because it seems like, when you get into this exile on Main Street and anything after sort of sticky fingers, it's like they're trying to imitate their earlier selves. It's why the only really good Led Zeppelin albums are the very first four. The only people that were able to really come out with a great album later on were the Who. And, um, you know, Who's Next is a great album, but it, it, and it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. The really good ones always are, they're sort of spoofing themselves, not taking themselves too seriously. You know, this cut lasts for over nine minutes. Well, it slows down to nothing, and then it, and then it comes back. Um, <laughs> anyway, you don't have to do the whole thing. I wasn't planning on it. All right. I'm going to read my psalm. Psalm 71 I like the English Standard Version. I don't know about you all. 
the language of the King James, I love. I'll always be that guy. But this is sort of King James-ish without being difficult to read. In you, O Lord, do I take refuge. Psalm 71. Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me and rescue me. Incline your ear to me and save me. Be to me a rock of refuge to which I may continually come. You have given the command to save me, for you are my rock and my fortress. Rescue me, O my God, from the hand of the wicked, from the grasp of the unjust and cruel man. For you, O Lord, are my hope, my trust, O Lord, from my youth. You know, one of the things that I find as I attempt to walk along a spiritual path is that there's a difference between sort of giving lip service to, I don't know, Christianity or Jesus or, uh, you know, these concepts. There's a difference between that and actually trusting in God in a way that I feel that I only know when I became entirely desperate in my own um, uh, resources. Um, I, I knew that there were things that I had that I had to deal with that were not something that a doctor, money, people, wisdom, a lot of the normal things that you do in life, it wasn't going to help me. And, um, and, and I came through some of these things in a, a fashion that I could only describe as miraculous. So there is a difference between belief with your head and belief in your heart born out of trust, knowing that the only route you can go is, is the God route. You ain't got nothing else in the tank. Okay, um, you know, uh, Missy has been looking at some things, and uh, and she can work rather rapidly. I mean, uh, I talked about somebody on the phone earlier today, and I think within about 22 and a half seconds, she had them pulled up on social media and was describing things about them to me this was someone i had a chance meeting with so she's kind of like the nsa sort of our uh version and 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 she digs and, and comes up with stuff you had some things regarding uh, uh i think a new little community that was sort of trying to be born within downtown lexington and uh you know it's it's 
sort of run into some tough times. That that's an interesting uh, introduction. Um, I think. Well, all right, so let me let me tell you the story uh, to our listeners that that uh, Tom and Elizabeth were very aware of. As I am walking to and from work, I'm very aware of everyone downtown. Yeah, and yeah. She downtown. Is. And oh. as she should be. Yes. And yeah. at the at the just a couple weeks ago at the 300 block of East Main Street, um, the first day I noticed them on Wednesday, it was this couple had set up their carts, and I mean carts plural, meaning several carts and all their belongings. You're talking about like shopping carts? Yes, shopping. I mean, big, large shopping carts and with all their belongings. It was a, it was a homeless uh, couple that I have seen at several different places around downtown, but they had parked right literally just a foot off of Main Street with all of their belongings. Where, which on corner? On the sidewalk. On the sidewalk. Which corner? On the At the 300 East Main block right, um, you know, across the street from on the other so side. So next of the street. to the Commerce Lexington building. No, no, no. Further up. Further up. It's between the bank uh, the bank drive-through right there, and it's it's a law firm, oh. actually, that's there. Oh, yeah. Going it's, towards us. Yes. More. It's east the 300 block of East Main yeah, Street. Yeah, so just literally not too far from right. us. Anyway, the, the couple is sitting there, uh, not to make a long story, long story short, short story long. Um, the couple was there. This is Wednesday. Yeah. And as I go back home, they're still there. Then I'm coming on Thursday. They're still there. And they have now... They've now wagon wheeled. They've they've you know created this this square with Fort, their fortification. With their yes, and that and then they a little by, fort. Yes, and by Friday they had actually put a tarp over top of it and oh. created siding yeah. and were using the the park bench as their storage for their sundries and yeah. and all this other stuff. At any rate, um, what I and, do. and of course I'm this you know this is nobody wants to see homeless population and this is and there's people in need but they literally have set up a home on the sidewalk yeah um and it just surprised me that the city had not you know that that services had not come along and moved them off of the sidewalk yeah um and they on monday when i came to work they were gone but by 11 o'clock in the morning they were back and it didn't take more than 45 minutes for three police cars, the paddy wagon, uh, multiple police sets to that came and they had to disassemble this entire home. But those people had, had to be called in order for that to happen. Correct, correct. And so the the main thing that I wanted to talk to, uh, I wanted to kind of just discuss a little bit um, that we were talking about. So earlier. they're not going to come just clean it up unless somebody well, says and, and this is an interesting thing was, is there no... Out, is there anything that outlaws you camping okay, on the street? Can I tell a story real sure, quick? please. When was the financial crisis? 08, 09? 08, 09. Okay. Do you remember a thing called Occupy Wall Street? I do. Okay. We had our own little Lexington, Kentucky version of it right over here, right over there, uh, across... Where are you pointing? Uh, Nobody can see. Across, across Esplanade, <laughs> okay. going farther downtown, Okay, on our side of Main Street, which is the north side, down where Chase Bank is, sort of actually this encampment was more towards the end that's kind of got the garden, the drive-in things. It's open. It's not where the actual bank building is that's farther down the block it's back sort of the garden slash there's a fountain and okay. stuff like that 
they were all along there and lined up up the block on Esplanade. Nothing was happening. It sat there for months. Months. Finally, I called Mayor Gray and said, is there not an ordinance about blocking a sidewalk? He never replied to me, but two days later, the whole thing was gone. Uh, and I believe these people in our government will only act when they are prodded to do so. Case in point, it looks like that there could have been armed conflict in our streets and the mayor and all those city council members over there would do nothing about it until people start to complain about it, which tells me they are only driven by crises, by uh, pain points. Otherwise, they are in this somnambulistic reverie where uh, we're going to our meetings. We don't really want anybody to be at the meetings, and we're going to talk about things, and bullets can be flying, but we're safe up here, you know. They are so out of touch. And the point is to be out of touch. So if you think, oh, shouldn't there be some, uh, you know, entity that, that, no, there's not any entity. The entity is you and me. We have to raise hell for this BS to start getting fixed. And guess what? That's what we're going to start doing on this show and keep freaking doing it until you know, you start seeing things, and we're not stopping. All right, so here's what I did. Why did you do this to me, Miss? So, <laughs> so allow me to politely okay, tell you how I you managed gotta, it. You got to know, it's polite as well. I, I'm going to be very polite. As I'm Six walking home minutes. on Friday, and they're still, and they're there, I called the nine one the non-emergency 911 number. Three one, and three one. Yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. And I have it on my phone. And um, <clears throat> I just want to tell the listening audience, that it rang for four and a half minutes. I hung up. I redialed. It rang for two and a half minutes. It was answered. I said, I am calling to report there is a couple that are have set up a home, a temporary shelter, on the sidewalk on the 300 block of East Main. And her response to me was, what do you want us to do about it? Yeah, it's, it's the thing. And I Enforce said, the effing law. You know what? They're blocking the, the ingress and egress. That's what I want you to freaking do. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm just, you know, it's how I feel. I said to her, are you telling me it is okay for anyone to set up a home and live on the sidewalk on Main Street? And she said, there's really a whole not, not a whole lot that we can do about it. They'll just come back. I said again, so there is nothing that prohibits them from setting up a home a foot off of Main Street on the sidewalk, using public benches as part of their structure. 
And she said, ma'am, I can only take your report. So I was pleased when I saw on my way to work on Monday that they were they had been moved along. But then they were back by 11 o'clock. Of course, they, they know what the deal is. So, so here's the interesting thing. I think um, I, I started looking at, you know, are, are there anti-camping laws, you know, uh, in, in Lexington or in other places? Uh, now, what we have here, we have, it's not really codified, but it's known by its overhang. We have anti-good sense laws in Lexington. We have enthroned stupidity in Lexington. Why? We have a lot of liberals in this town. Most of them don't know anything about how you run anything. They know how to go draw a salary from UK or the school system or some government entity, but they don't know anything about running a business. I don't care. I know you all are giving well, me a bunch of looks, but they know who I am and I know who they are and I live here. Well, what, and, what and are- we get the government that they asked for because they are in the majority, but they were finally going to create a place that they even don't want to live in. And guess what? I'm still going to be here. So it's time to have some change. They have to start admitting the way we do things doesn't work and it all doesn't work. Okay. All right. Fair enough. But the homeless, homeless, the homeless situation is not a unique situation. Every city to some, and to some means has to deal with this. So it took me and my research, you know, background here, looking at, for instance, Los Angeles, which is really dealing in crisis type mode with their homeless population. And it was interesting to look at um, kind of the things that have happened because during the pandemic years, they, the tent cities grew, I mean, it grew so badly that, that they started that, and they weren't going in and and looking at them and, and talking to them and trying to get services into them. And so they got more bold and they started tapping into the hydrants for water and they started tapping into the city light structures for their electricity. Talking about fire hydrants. Yes. The fire hydrants for water and, uh, and the city lights for their electricity. So providing running water and electricity in some of these tent communities out in Los Angeles. So it's real interesting because in 2021, they built this, um, which I was just thinking, you know, what else What else have uh, cities done that have really had, you know, serious problems? I certainly don't want to get to that point where we are, you know, scrambling um, to manage well, We're behind. Here, the liberals in this town take their cue from what's going on elsewhere. So if you have okay. if you have defund the police a year ago in Minneapolis, people in Lexington because they're so far behind, but they want to be like other liberal meccas elsewhere, they start getting into defund the police. Here you got a minute and a half. Well, I want to talk about what other cities have done, which I think is kind of interesting. Yeah, they're starting but the ones that have done the defund the police, look at San Francisco. They're starting to kick out their left-wing uh, people on the school board and that kind of thing. And you don't ever hear it mentioned in the uh, by Linda Blackford or somebody at the Herald-Leader because they don't want you to know what's really going on. We don't really study what's happening elsewhere. We think because it's gone on somewhere else a year ago, it must be working and we're going to have it here. 
and it's it's put those cities in ruin. Okay. Well, and I was going to say there one of the are we have we run out of time here? We're getting close. Yeah, that's what I thought. I'll, I'll stop it right music. there. Uh, well, I thought you had something to say. You got like I do. Thirty-two seconds. All right, we got to close it out. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton. We'll be back for the second half hour in just a few minutes. We are powered by Dupree Financial Group. You can go to our website, DupreeFinancial.com, if you want to hear more of the Tom Dupree Show. Stay tuned. Hi, I'm Tom Dupree. If you really study the news, you know there's a high degree of insanity afoot these days. This can also affect investment markets. In times like these, people are much more likely to believe a cynical view of markets and behaviors than in more normal times. There's nothing wrong with realism as long as it's tempered with a healthy dose of constructive optimism. This is only possible through faith, which is believing in something that's not yet apparent. And faith is how our country was built. At Dupree Financial Group, we do a great deal of research on the companies in which we invest, and we have faith in our research. We can review your current investment portfolio and advise you about how to properly invest for retirement. Call us now at 859 833-0400. the Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton. Here's our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Okay. I do not espouse necessarily the, the lyrics in this song, but the thing about it is the incredible political incorrectness of the Rolling Stones, and it's, it's almost as if uh, Mick... Uh, 
foresaw armies of feminists at some point in his life uh, that would be decrying his song. Um, there, there's an there's an element of you know even when he talks about sympathy for the devil and things like that, it's like he's sitting back looking at. It's all very tongue-in-cheek. And you have to understand that that's what makes them a better band than than bands that uh, take themselves and their lyrics. I mean, look, look at a, a somebody reviewing a Bruce Springsteen song or album. They, 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 it's these East Coast people studying Bruce Springsteen like you would Shakespeare or something like this guy has got such an incredible thing but the Rolling Stones they have this sense that you know we're just a bunch of idiots that like to get up and dance and we write songs with sort of goofy ass lyrics that we don't expect anybody to take seriously and that's what's fun about them but you can't explain that to anybody they they hear that song and they think oh misogyny you know uh abuse that kind of thing you can't joke about anything nowadays because somebody's gonna take it seriously and get offended that's just that's part of what we've lost in our society unless we get humor back we're doomed as a society it has nothing to do with the fact that people won't work or do this or do that it's the fact that they can't laugh at themselves my description of hell if you wanted to describe one of the characteristics of hell is that nobody ever laughs at anything because there's never a joke, you know, and you can, it's okay in certain things to say, I was just joking. I was just joking. You know, it was a joke. And you know what you say to me all the time? Your jokes aren't funny. That is not I the mean, way I the say the hell you don't. I mean, it's like, what does it take for me to make a freaking funny joke? I mean, really? Be funny. Yeah. Well, see, that's <laughs> the problem there is that you don't really understand humor when you hear it. Oh, is that? That's yeah. What but it is. sometimes when you the whole "I'm kidding" or "I'm joking" is just a cover up for something you really wanted to say. That's right. You just couldn't say it. Oh, so here we go. Yeah, the see, here we go. Babble. It's oh, like we're you, analyzing Tom on his funny. own show. You know, I can't just be funny. It's got to be analyzed. But 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 you're probably right. Actually, that may actually be true. So moving maybe, right maybe along, maybe, maybe it's not really. Well, let's let, let's maybe. finish our discussion from the, okay, from yeah, the first let's, half. Let's we were talking about homelessness and that it is not a unique problem, and right. certainly other cities are dealing with it um, in, in in actually bigger bigger waves than we are, and and there's no place um, that people immediately think of um, no place other than Los Angeles and San Francisco, and it's interesting because um, if you're looking at um, you know. How in the world is a city supposed to organize um, ad hoc shelters, you know, that are pieced together in parks and sidewalks and, you know, uh, in parking lots? Um, What, interestingly, I was reading about Los Angeles, Seattle, and San Francisco opened up these city government paid, these sanctioned encampments. 
Um, they're called like safe sleep villages. They offer, um, uh, God, I was reading, they had amenities, like they've got, they offer shower time and they have porta potties and they have three meals a day and security and you, you have a tent that you're given. And, and somebody, there's security that watches the tent so that you can go and get a job or work a job no, no, or no, do something. not a job. You're doing drugs. That's, that's what you're going to do. You're going to go get high. Most of those people are not looking for a job, Missy. If if there was one person, I, yeah. okay, all right. I, all I'm saying is is that, that the complaint was is that no, none of the homeless people want to leave their stuff. That if they're truly homeless, they don't want to leave their stuff. They're trying to contribute, you know, contribute back. Then you know, security watch their stuff. Okay, uh, most anyway, of the people. Listen, but I've it's not talked, working. That's what I'm trying to I've tell you. I've talked to a number of homeless people over the years, and. There are some veterans that I've talked to. They say they're veterans. I don't know for a fact if they are or not. Those are guys that I put in a special category. There's others that have never made a claim of being a veteran or not. I think there's a fair degree in some cases of schizophrenia, but I think if you're schizophrenic indeed, you can qualify for a group home or something like that. Um, I know a lot of it is drug use. A lot of it's alcohol and maybe over half. So um, if your aim when you get up in the morning is to get high that day or to uh, get drunk, and you've burned all your bridges with family, friends, and that kind of thing, you are going to end up homeless. It is going to happen. And then now you're in a spot, whether you like it or not, where you live in a way that is, um, quite frankly, in this town, it's not a completely bad deal. There are lots of places around downtown to eat um you can stay different places most really hardcore homeless people that i've talked to are not interested in living at the salvation army or the hope center i mean i've talked to a bunch that don't want to live in those well, that kind of was where we're going with this is that okay so this this eighth month this eight month uh, you know trial program um number one uh through the, the the distractor said it was just a band-aid uh, for services of actually getting people into permanent housing. Um, the next group uh, is just complaining, you know, even though the purpose was is that if you got them together and put them in a tent, then you could get services to help them with the those that are schizophrenic or drug, you know, drug abuse. That you know, again, services to manage the population so that they would not be homeless anymore, whatever that meant. What they have found, though, is is that the cost is is prohibitive. It basically, uh, for the one in Los Angeles, it was um, almost twenty seven twenty seven hundred dollars per tent per month. So per household. Well, per month, and when the which, government which, does something, it's always about five times as expensive as it should be. That's right. Well, so. and, 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 and it wasn't, it was not solving the problem. They weren't seeing it as a, as a stepping stone to move to what we assume would be the next step is, 
you know, permanent housing, a job, contrib- you know, contributing to society. Okay. All right. That's what I'm trying to say is here, here are three very liberal societies trying to manage it in that way. It's, it's not working. Um, and they're, they're still scratching their heads over that one. Then you've got Tennessee just last week. Tennessee became the first state in the nation to make it a felony to pitch a tent or create a temporary home on public land. Unless you're on a campground. Well, that'll be hard to prove that, you know. Similar bills are being considered in Arizona and Georgia. Um, and in Oklahoma and Wisconsin, similar bill, bills recently failed. But I uh, just, you know, just thought it was interesting that Tennessee made is, uh, became the first state in the nation to make pitching a tent on public land that is not on a campsite a felony. And isn't that something that, when was it? Was it on one of last week's shows that you talked about Tennessee being a little bit more progressive and... Well, that's why I, I thought that was kind of an interesting, and it's interesting because you, you're the both of you know both sides of the story are equally as compelling. That I'll, I'll tell you something. This is interesting. I've driven all over this town. There are certain little neighborhoods in this town. You drive through them. I'm not going to say where they are, but they're closer to downtown than farther away. But some of them are not exactly downtown. But they are houses that at one time were, you know, forty, fifty thousand dollar bungalows, houses that you might see certain people own. You'll drive through these neighborhoods. Uh, they will have, in some cases, they're they're typically majority white neighborhoods. You'll see a lot of Black Lives Matter signs. You'll see those green lights that were uh, put in. Uh, in support of Andy Bashir's lockdown measures. You'll see those things, but what you don't see in those, and you'll see that those people are the ones that say voted against Larry Roberts and for this uh, lenient prosecutor that we're going to have that's going to make basically marijuana and lots of different offenses legal because she's not going to prosecute these cases. But what you won't see in these neighborhoods, and I've driven around a bunch of them, are homeless people. You won't see the effects. You go over, let's say, oh, I don't know, near Henry Clay's home, Ashland Park. Lots of liberals over there. Lots of Black Lives Matter signs. You see any homeless people out in the uh, median over there uh, around... uh, uh, Finn Castle or, or a Slashes Road or any of those? No. But I'll guarantee you those neighborhoods probably vote 85% Democrat. They vote for these policies that we have to deal with downtown, but in their little neighborhood, they police it. You know, they have their little block parties and they fence it off and everybody's kids play out. It's like they don't even live in Lexington. Great sense of neighborhood and community. But these are the people that vote for these policies. And it's true over even uh, Holiday Road, that area over there. Most of these folks are liberals over there. I mean, you know, you don't have very many real conservatives in Lexington. And if they are, they don't speak out about it. I know some that come up to me and say, I love your show. That's the end of it. I don't want to be seen talking to you. 
Um, you know, the, the, the point is they talk to me, they the, the people vote for these policies. They vote for the left winger. They think they're doing something really good. And then the results of it, we end up getting a mayor like what we have city council me- members like what we have people that don't really, it, it's, you yeah, know, the big confusion about our mayor is everyone thinks that she, her policies seem liberal but she's actually a registered Republican, apparently. So, so, so was Liz Cheney. Right. But uh, her policies really don't affiliate with that. Well, it, And it, since the mayor is a nonpartisan, it, it is kind of a non-factor. But you would be shocked how many people think she's a Democrat. There's just a lot of people in Lexington that they want to vote a certain way because they want to feel good about themselves and what they now you know you 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 start seeing some of these shootings that happen out on center parkway or that happen uh up here on uh third street or sixth street up up north of downtown or even near downtown start seeing them happen out in ashland park well start seeing them happen happen out uh in uh uh uh, holiday road well area. i will dispel what you just said because last weekend over alumni drive near shinoway which is sort of in that same uh, it's neck going of the towards woods. center parkway uh, not really but it had nothing to do with center parkway for the rest of the story there was a helicopter that circled overhead for 45 minutes and it was a small circle and so um I, well, I that let me finish. Really let me finish. So I had to go out and run errands. It turned out that they were circling over top of Alumni Drive and Turkey Foot, which is very close to the area that you're speaking of. And there were 15 police cars that had a condominium townhouse unit surrounded on the corner of Turkey Foot. So what was and it? Alumni. What, do we know what it was? I inquired with one of our city council Probably a people. meth lab or something. Well, it was the day after the night of the three different shootings where nine, I don't remember how many people were injured. One one of the shootings was at, um, what was Applebee's Park, Wild Health, I think it's called yeah. now. So I'm I'm wondering if it was associated with that. And I don't know if they caught anybody or not. Um but anyway, so so there is stuff. It's moving towards areas where it hasn't been before is the point well, of you, that you story. You get somebody that lives in one of those neighborhoods find a stray bullet one day. Somebody who's white, not black. Somebody who looks like me or a kid like me. I mean, there had been violence in Atlanta for years. And then my friend Gordon Bynum got shot on the uh on the uh, uh w- walkway over Georgia 400 and here's a guy that lives in Buckhead a white guy that got shot by two black kids and the neighborhood everybody went nuts you shot one of our own see we it's easy for us as upper middle class white people to think, well, this is just a black thing that's going on down here. And I, I certainly think that way because I'm not going to act like that, you know, 
I don't attach racial origin to almost everything I hear these days. I mean, and then I start thinking, well, it's just black people shooting themselves. No, sir. Violence is violence. It's contagious. If it happens in your midst, it can spread. It can become to be accepted. That's where us white people have to start getting out of this mindset we have. Oh, it's just it's just this or that. No, it's happening in our community. Well, and in Chevy Chase, there were three businesses that were vandalized. I think it was around July the 25th. They just made an arrest in that. And it's a white guy that looks like you, me. I mean, I'm not a guy. But what are you looking at me for? I, well, I'm just saying that it, it's Go not. Ahead. It, it's, I think you can say gang as, a, as opposed to a racial thing. I just I I consider things in the bigger picture. I'm I'm not sure about the you know, the black, whole thing. Black, white, I, yeah, brown, I'm, purple. But the, but the whole I am I I'm concerned about the. Increase. I don't consider it in a bigger picture. I am concerned about the increase in numbers of the homelessness in Lexington because and of the a, crime rate of, and the crime going rate through the roof and I mean of a lot of things and and here here were a couple of things that that came about when I was uh, just kind of reading about a few things is that, you know, recent changes were enacted by the 2022 General Assembly um, that tightened the eligibility requirements on unemployment benefits, Medicaid, and other programs, which it should, but I'm thinking, you know, with the current economy and what's going on, it's just going to have an effect on our most vulnerable. Um, I actually looked at, I watched an entire interview with this uh, one economist uh, from Gatton talking about Kentucky by April, 2022, it ranks, Kentucky ranks 49th out of 50 states for labor force participation. Labor force participation means those able to participate in the workforce. We have like 56% of 100% of people who are eligible participate. In other words, out of 10 people that could work, only 5.6 of them are working. You got it. Well, you know what? All I know is that we got nowhere to go but up. Well, I, did. I, I have been committed to saying what I've been saying for a long time. I haven't stopped. It's I'm not here to make friends with people unless, you know, you like what I say and you, you believe what I'm saying. Nobody then comes, you'll be very, friends with them. Very few people ever come up to me and say, I really appreciate Lexington doesn't have many people like that. They're, they're, I don't know what's happened, whether they moved away, went somewhere else. But uh, we, it's, it, you know, you just find yourself by yourself a lot. And sometimes I wonder why I try. David Kloiber, our friend who's running for mayor, has told me the same thing. Well, I did come across a uh, Lexington uh, tenure plan to end homelessness that was written in 2005, <laughs> it obviously hasn't yeah, aged well. Nor has a lot of it probably been um, implemented, right? That's correct. And course has been changed and new officials have been elected. So we will start our vote in so November. What are you going to do about it? I'm going to turn your mic off is what I'm going to do for this hour. And we're going to wrap this up. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Missy Clifton. We have our financial guys coming blah, up in blah, the blah, next blah, blah, hour. Blah. So stay tuned. We're powered by Dupree Financial Group.